today on the Women Mind the Water Art of a Series on WomenMindTheWater.com. I'm speaking with Tatcha Grantham, founder of Middle Path Creative, a consulting firm that focuses on art and environmental concerns. Tasha earned a master's degree from Howard University in art history with a focus on contemporary art and specializations in American and African diaspora arts. After she moved to Florida, Tasha learned about the work of Diving with a Purpose, an international nonprofit that for nearly two decades has trained black scuba divers to assist in the documentation of underwater culturally and environmentally important sites around Florida and the Caribbean. Today's conversation will highlight Tasha's experiences with Diving with a Purpose. The Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast on WomenMindTheWater.com engages artists in conversation about their work and explores a connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. Today, I'm speaking with Tasha Grantham, who is doing work in the restoration of coral reefs. Tasha is by training and professionally an art historian. As a volunteer scuba diver with a nonprofit Diving with a Purpose, Tasha has learned how to identify and document characteristics of a healthy ocean. Specifically, Tasha has learned how to conduct surveys of reef fish, invertebrates, and ocean floor substrates, all important in determining the health of coral reefs. Welcome, Tasha. I am grateful to you for making time to talk with me. I believe you have much to share about the intersection of art and the rarely seen world that lies below the ocean surface. I'd like to begin by learning a little something about you and your academic and professional journey. Tasha, where did you grow up and when did your interest in art history begin? Well, first, I'd like to thank you, Pam, for having me on Women Mind the Water and also being able to speak to you about DWP CARES. Um, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and also spent a lot of time living in the Washington, D.C. area, having gone there for school, first undergraduate at Georgetown, and then later studying at Howard. Um, but I also worked in D.C. over the years. In the late 90s, there's a professor emeritus of art and art history at Spelman College, Dr. Arturo Lindsay, and he started a summer art colony that was based in and still flourishes in a Caribbean Panamanian village called Portobello. And so as a part of our artistic process, we would work in nature and also snorkel. So it's really during that experience, like working and having a studio on the water and snorkeling as a part of idea gathering and research, that really made me want to say, okay, I see how this connects, um, how environmentally responsible materials are important, and how just being in that environment informs me and my work and makes me feel connected. So the history for many African Americans is deeply entwined in the slave trade and their ancestors' journey across the Atlantic. Is there an area of art that focuses on this history from the perspective of what lies below the waves? So 
African and African diasporic American, European, international African people have not only a history in the slave trade, but also in transatlantic and trans-Pacific, you know, belonging. So I feel that the slave trade and particularly DWP's work in really locating and documenting ships that are on the bottom of the ocean that carried our, our ancestors um, creates a, like a richer and more voluminous understanding of African people and American people um, in many ways, like in many layers. So we are working on reconciling this, you know, very deep, uh, painful experience through locating and doing the actual research to know what the experiences of those people who were lost at sea were and to include that in the stories that we have of survival and being, you know, being very involved in developing stories of African and African-American history today. When I learned how to dive, I really wanted to learn how to see and explore this vast universe, this vast landscape that's below us, that's a part of the world that we live in. And it just really made me want to be able to stay down longer and to see more than is in the area of, um, around 15 to 30 feet through the two archaeology courses that I took with DWP, um, Diving with a Purpose in the Keys and the Florida Keys, and also in the village of Coita in Costa Rica. Um, I started to learn underwater archaeology, and at the same time, I was studying the coral survey techniques through CARES, which is a collective approach to restoring our ecosystem. Um, it's important to understand that DWP CARES has two branches, the archaeology side and also the coral um, restoration side, which is newer. And we have an online course that's actually occurring right now where students are learning how to identify reef animals, and what are the characteristics of a healthy reef, but also like facing the fact that we won't always have the pristine reef of our minds or of our dreams, but we also have to document what's actually going on. And sometimes or often that shows distress or overfishing or uh, too much fertilizer creating extra nitrites in the water so there's a, a part of it that is being able to use the skills that you have as a diver to have a clipboard in hand and your mylar, like leadless pencil, you know, documenting fish on um, what's called a line of transect. So you as a buddy pair have an area that you're responsible for and you go down the line looking for certain types of fish like yellow snapper or maybe margates. Um, you may also be looking for the size of a parrotfish to make sure it's within the range that you want to document as an indicator of reef health. 
And then you go back up the line looking for things like spiny lobster and sea urchins, banded coral shrimp, or any of the indicators in the vertebrate column. So it's very like slow, tedious, um, detailed work to actually, you know, get usable results. Um, so we have fantastic teachers at Keras that are taking on the online uh, instruction right now of, I think, 55 adults and young people combined. So we will all be prepared in June to get in the water as survey teams and do the work in the Keys. So what is the background of many of the divers? It can vary. I, I think that there is, there's a very strong core group of DWP divers who are scientists and veterans or engineers or doctors, people who had various fields and spent time, you know, diving and diving in amazing places all over the world and coalescing um, different skill sets. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big volunteer effort, but they're also teachers and students and um, veterans. You know, it, it's really a, an effort of so many different professions and so many different sensibilities, but all connected to diving. Fascinating. So have you encountered challenges as you train to work as a volunteer for Diving with a Purpose? And if so, what kind of challenges is there in doing this kind of work? Well, I mean, I you definitely have to be prepared and like totally fit. And we always need more resources to be able to train, you know, other divers, especially young people. Um, sometimes you may want to go out on a dive and you have it well mapped out. You're going to go either do these coral surveys or this archaeological project, and then the weather won't allow you. So you can be in place and prepared and, you know, have to wait another day or two. So um, there are definitely the, the needs for flexibility when coming up with projects that involve the ocean. It sounds like a very enriching program, both personally, and then what happens to the data that you collect? Does it get published? The organization CARES has a relationship with NOAA. So Kramer Wimberly, who is the lead instructor and uh, master diver associated with CARES, the founder of CARES, and also a DWP board member, so he's also active in the archaeology side, works with organizations like the National Marine Sanctuary and NOAA. So the data collected is sent to organizations and broader databases that can use it. Um, so it's our, you know, one of the things we're doing is to try to learn how to make accurate data sets that can be uploaded to organizations that need the data to help manifest science. Important work. Okay, so what keeps you going or going back to Diving with a Purpose? Well, it feels like something that I can contribute. Like if my training has largely been in the arts, I have, you know, taken geology and biology and 
you know, some sciences, so it, it, but it's been so long academically that this is a nice way as a citizen scientist, not a, you know, trained marine biologist um, who is able to contribute through broader studies. But it's nice to, as an artist, as a diver, as um, an organizer, to be able to use those skill sets to help in this way. Um, whether you dive or not, the ocean is contributing a lot of oxygen to the air we breathe. So it feels really good to be able to learn techniques and um, platforms that allow me to contribute to ocean health. Nicely said. So does your work with Diving with a Purpose affect your relationship with art? I would say yes, because it's definitely helping the way that I see um, and the environments that I'm seeing in are expanding. So as I get an opportunity to re-engage with art newly, I'm sure that there will be an impact. Um, I, I feel the impact already in other types of work that I'm doing. I'd like to have you tell listeners where they can go to learn more about Diving with a Purpose. So Diving with a Purpose, like no dots in between, but divingwithapurpose.org is the website. And in the program category, you can see both the archaeology, the Maritime Archaeology Program, and CARES, which is Collective Approach to Restoring Our Ecosystem. And in each group, you will see adult and youth opportunities. So you'll see opportunities for 14 to 21-year-olds in the archaeology and the CARES category. And then also there may be international opportunities like Costa Rica for archaeology and Honduras for CARES. Very good. Thank you. So I'd like to ask you now for a call to action on behalf of the ocean. What do you think is the biggest issue that needs to be addressed, and what do you recommend people do to address the problem? As people here now, one of the greatest and most important things that we can do is to take care of the ocean and everything that we have, um, both environmentally and each other, so that these resources remain for next generations. Our most important job is to course correct in ways that don't use so much energy and resource up and find greater ways to contribute to sourcing so that we are responsible earth stewards for future generations. So Tasha, I wonder how you respond to people who suggest that they don't have it within their power to protect something as large as the ocean, which makes up three-quarters of our planet? Well, it's a daunting proposition, and it is a big resource. And newly learning so much more uh, through taking the CARES coral courses and participating in the underwater aspects of the archaeology program as well, it's just plugged in the number of people and organizations who are doing this globally. So in some ways it's affirming because there are a lot of people out there really trying to create community and greater resource and connectivity between all of the people who are doing the work. So it is big and 
I think that there are people out there who really are, you know, giving it their very best to, to do everything they can. Thank you. I'm really grateful you shared your story with Women Mind the Water Art of a Series podcast. I hope listeners have had a window opened on a world they were previously unfamiliar. I'd like to remind listeners that I'm speaking with Tasha Grantham, an art historian and volunteer with Diving with a Purpose, an international nonprofit that for nearly two decades has trained black scuba divers to assist in the documentation of underwater culturally and environmentally important sites. Tasha Grantham is the latest guest on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com, Museum on Main Street, and YouTube. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on womenmindthewater.com, on iTunes, and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. <laughs>